Welcome to One Heart, One Mind, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake to inspire and give hope in our efforts to build Zion. And now your host, Lindy Bauer. Welcome to today's podcast. My name is Lindy Bauer. I'm your host today for One Heart, One Mind Nampa. We're here today with Casey and Coralie Maddox. They're in the 22nd Ward, and we're so excited to have them with us today. Um, you're going to hear a story of two totally different people who come from two totally different backgrounds, different cultures. She was raised with girls, he was raised with boys, and they communicate differently, but they fell in love, they got married, and they figured it out. <laughs> so we're going to hear their story and hear about how our, our title today for this podcast is um, How Two Can Become One. And we hope as you listen that you'll, you'll hear their experiences of how they uh, work through different um, things in their marriage and to make their marriage one. So Casey and Corley, welcome. Glad you're here. Thanks. Thank good you. to be here. Will you guys first tell us, I've heard your story and I love your story. Will you tell us how you, how you two met? Yeah. Do you want me to do it or do you want to do it? Do it. I think okay. you should do it together. <laughs> well, I yeah. I'll say it my way and then honestly, like, you just correct me because you think I'm wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> so, so I got home from my mission to Peru, and I started working at this place uh, where there was this girl that liked me. Well, it turned out to be her visiting teaching companion in that in that time. Uh, and I wanted to go and just kind of explore the institute, and I was excited about the gospel, being a convert. I just wanted to go and learn more and more and more. Like, I converted at 17 years old. And then my actual first time knowing the gospel was on my mission. I didn't know anything prior to that. And I got home from my mission. And I was like, I've got to, I've got to do more of this. And that's why I went to the institute. Um, that night, that girl happened to be with Coralie, and they were making plans to do visiting teaching. And she liked me. She wanted to, you know, come and talk to me. So she grabbed Coralie. She drug her over there, and she's kind of like, I like this guy. And Coralie's like, Okay. And so she went, she went along, and. Uh, we started having conversations. She said, like, this is Coralie. And, and I was like, hi, how's it going? And, you know, I, I, and, and we, we, we had a good conversation. And I decided to just ask her because Coralie doesn't look Caucasian, right? She's Hispanic by, by blood. And so I asked her if she was from, her parents are from Mexico. Uh, it, well, that's not how I said it. I asked her if she was Mexican, which was very kind of, you know, me, I was, I was kind of innocently stupid, right? And I, did, I didn't realize that that was quite, quite the question to ask. And Coralie got, she got mad about it. <laughs> She's like, I'm not from Mexico. I'm Peruvian, and I was, right? And so, and so I was like, no way. I was just there like two weeks ago. I got home on the twelfth, and I think I met her like, two you know, later. two weeks later, something like that. And uh, and I asked her. I was like, well, so do you, do you speak Spanish? She's like, absolutely. And I didn't look back at that moment. Like I just started speaking Spanish only, and well, that made Corley feel awkward. And so that whole, because the girl liked me, right? And so and that, I was getting glares from across the gym. And yeah, she was giving, she, yeah, <laughs> the friend was giving her evil stares, but I didn't care. And I didn't even realize what I was doing. I was just trying to impress her because, you know, why not? And so, um, anyway, so I started speaking Spanish with her and just, it was, it was a great conversation. I decided, uh, I asked her if her mom was from Peru and she said yes, but she was born in Idaho and so forth. And and I said, like, I just, I just got back home from Peru. And she's like, well, I was there over Christmas. And, and I was like, no way. What part of Peru are you in? And, and she said she was in Lima. And I was like, I was in Lima over Christmas. And, <laughs> and uh, I kind of thought at some point she must have done something to make me think like she was like, I don't know, 
what, trying to dig at me or annoy me or something because I thought I felt like I was just had to prove whether or not she was there. And I was like, so I gave her the question. I was like, if you were in, in Lima on, on Christmas Day, what happened at 930 in the morning? Right. And then she thought and then all of a sudden she just went, oh, there was an earthquake. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you really were down in Lima. That's so cool. Like I was down there, too. Right. And and so and at that point, she caught my attention. And so I was trying to get her phone number from her. And she said, I want to talk to you. You can call my mom, though. No problem there. And I was like, why would it be that? Why, why wouldn't she just let me you know, have your phone number? And she's like, because my friend here. I didn't tell you that. What did you say? I, this is the part I always mess up. Okay, go ahead. Correct. <laughs> She's going to fix this part. <laughs> well, no, I just didn't want to give it to him because my friend is over there glaring at me. And, and he's always like, um, you know, he was like, you can give me the phone number. And later it's always like, well, why didn't you just give it to me in Spanish? And I'm like, who doesn't know 1 through 10 in Spanish? Right. Right? Right. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not going to do that. And, and I knew already that he was younger than me and that was kind of like i don't know if he's for me <laughs> right and they're worth rocking a relationship here <laughs> so yeah. so yeah i just was like but my mom she loves talking to missionaries that have come home from peru so yeah and you, I could, like, you could call and talk to my mom she'd that, love to but talk see that to didn't you. make sense to me i was like <laughs> i didn't know she was toying with me i'm like why wouldn't she give me her phone number she'd give me her mom's phone number but clearly she lives in that house with her mom and i was like Okay, well, what's the phone number? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you because, you know, I don't want her to be mad or anything like that. And I said, well, how do I get a hold of your mother then? She's like, you can look it up in the phone book. <laughs> kind of a little bit of like a, a flip at me. I was like, well, what's your dad's last name? And what street does he live on? And she eventually told me all that. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I love that she fought with me kind of, but I didn't know her at all, you know, but the conversation we had was super, I don't know, ordinary. And that was what was really interesting about it. You know, she, so like when she walked away, I knew, I said to myself audibly, I said, I think I just met my wife. Like, and it was just a five minute conversation. Nothing longer than that. Would you agree? You know, the girl hated me nonetheless, and she didn't, she wasn't impressed with me either, you know, but. <laughs> but you were going to marry her. <laughs> but I knew, I knew she was, she, she was the one to be. And so uh, that's, that's kind of the story. And then I drove home and I don't even remember how I got home. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, no, what do I do? Right. You know, because I knew that something needed to happen about that. So that's, that's the, the initial meeting. The initial meeting. And then, so he called by mom and my mom told me he's, he called for you. And I was like, what? He called for me? Like, he was supposed to talk to you. <laughs> and so she says, yeah, no, he called for you. And so he did. He called again and he asked me out and was super awkward and nervous. And yeah, that was terrible. It, <laughs> and I did. I was like, are you nervous? Like, I actually said that. And he made him more nervous. Poor guy. <laughs> she didn't make anything easy. And to this day, she still don't make nothing easy. <laughs> Like, that's the honest truth. And you, you knew what you were getting into, see? And so, but he he asked me out, and I said yes, and we really had just, like, the best first date. Yeah. Like, we were just comfortable, mm -hmm. and, like, like I'm not a really outward so like, kind yeah. of person. And On then, our date, like, we went to a Mexican restaurant because Mexican food's great, but then I took her bowling, and I wanted to, like you know, tie our wrists together and throw the ball down the lane, that kind of stuff. And she was just like, what the heck are you doing? You know? 
And so, but yeah, the first date was great. And then, you know, and I know this is a lot, but like this, there's, there's a, there's something about this, this, this story that kind of identifies who I am as a person and who she is as a person, right? Because I was, I was very much like, let's just go. Let's just fly by the seat of my pants kind of a thing. Right. And, and so we went on a date the next day I happened to play soccer against her sister. And so, you know, she happened to be there. It wasn't planned at all, but and, and that night I had to go do laundry. We didn't have a laundry washing machine in our house. And she's like, why don't you just come up to our place? And I was like, uh, okay. So I went over and I did laundry at their house. And we had this crazy night because we played this board game and her sister and her teamed up against me. And, and they just wanted it. I don't know. And then we skipped the next day. And then on Friday we went out again. And then on Saturday we went out again. And um, by the time Sunday comes around, you know, I, I told her that night, so this is five days after our first date, I told her, you're the one. Like, we had our first kiss, I held her hand, I sang Spanish hymns to her in Spanish, <laughs> and in the church parking lot. And it was a lot for me. And so, <laughs> so I just... I went I, home and cried. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't know at that time if that's what I wanted. Yeah. And it was a lot. I mean, I just met him, and yeah, it felt like... It felt good, but it was also scary, like, to think if I, do I really want to be married, and do I yeah. want to be married to him, and so luckily I left town for that next week, and I prayed a lot, and I came home knowing that it was, that it was good. But there's a lot, there's a lot behind that prayer that, that she's not, she's not telling you about, like, she had her heart broken, right, and that heartbreak was uh, enough for her to say, I don't know if I want to get married at all. And then at the same time, she was graduating as an engineer. So she was, and she had a job lined up with the state, like they were ready to just take her and go. And so getting married was a huge inconvenience to her because she had to pull back from that independence. And she had to maybe consider taking the risk on somebody when when she had her heart broken. Me, I didn't care. I was just like, let's just go. This is this is perfect. Come on. You speak, you speak Spanish. You're Peruvian. I speak Spanish. I'm practically proven. Mom loves me, anyways. There's one plus one equals. Let's. This is great, you know. So, but it scared her to death. She had to. She literally had to leave, go to an entirely different state, and not talk to me for the rest of the week. And I asked her, I was like, "You going to call me?" She's like, "No, I'm not going to call you. I don't. Want, I got to have time alone." And so, anyways, that's that's the initial get go. And you know, I honestly feel like that craziness that it sued right there has been the last 23 years of our marriage so <laughs> in my opinion right so i don't know if you agree with that or not it's been crazy yeah. <laughs> so. okay so fast forward and you get married how many months later oh and we got married three months after i told her so okay yeah. so so her her week away was a good week away she comes back and we get married well it was quick because i already knew and i mean he already knew right from very first and so we would start going out and he would just say you know one of these days I'm gonna ask you to marry me and he would say that and then finally I was just like well when you ask me I'll say yes and then he was like what <laughs> and so then we were pretty much engaged so he went and he talked yeah, to my then dad I, and I blew the proposal like I, I totally messed up everything right there but what I think is interesting about this this aspect of her and I is like she very much spiritually we are different people like a hundred percent like i'm a convert she was born and raised in the church right and she because i was a convert i very much just kind of followed 
the flow of the moment, the feel of the moment. And I still to this day have that kind of a sentiment. Whereas she's much more like, I need to pray to get this answer and think about it. And, and I, that totally suits her personality. And, and so we've had, to, we've had to try and reconcile those different spiritual like, aspects of our lives, which has, been, which has been hard. So take us there. How, what, can you um, give us an example and tell us how you've been able to reconcile those differences? Well, it's hard. That that's a good question because I tackle things fast, right? And I yeah. I tend to be a person who believes in like relying on the spirit at every second, right? Not not necessarily taking a week to study things out. Although I do that kind of stuff too, but and because it's like I I immediately want to troubleshoot problems, right? And I immediately want to just like get to the core of the the issue. But sometimes, and that would totally like be difficult for her. She's yeah. like, "What? You can't go that fast." Right, like, I want to study. <clears throat> I want to study it out, and I want to like ponder, and I want to pray about it, and I want to take those things really slow. Mm-hmm. And so it was well, and 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 I mean, even even things like uh, like having the kids get baptized. Like to me, it was just something that would happen, right? Do we teach them and? And we get them baptized, and for him, it was very much they need to make that choice. Yeah, that and was that a, was really hard for me. That was a big choice right there. Yeah, I remember that too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but keep keep talking about that. No, I mean it was just it was hard for me because I expected it to happen, and it was scary to think that it might not. Right. You know, if they chose the other way, and and I think a lot of our choices have been that way, where it's. You know, we, our expectations and our and our and our thoughts are really different that way, and we've had to reconcile and really talk to each other about you know which was the best way, and clearly the best way is to let them choose, right? So that it's their their choice, but yeah, you know, the expectations are hard that way for me, and so um, I think in a lot of things we've really really had to try to understand each other. And what, what, we're, how we're going to approach things, and and move together that way because we're so different that we know that if we act in one way, our way, it's not going to be oh. good for the other person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, you know, it's it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time to be married to somebody so opposite. I mean, because we're so different, we have got to stop thinking about our way is the only way, right? If if we had married like-minded people, I can I can imagine a whole different lifestyle, right? Where things decision making would have been a lot easier, right? Decision making has always been the, the 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 issue between one of the issues between us, you know, but but I know how she is and I know that like if I do if I do something it's going to drive her crazy and she knows how I am the same way too. And so we've had to learn to step back. At the very beginning of our marriage, so so her family was very nuclear. Like, I would call it like your your classical church member family. You know, like mom and dad got married in the temple and they raised this wonderful family. They're all strong. My family was not that. Mine was like the Simpsons, you know, whereas like brothers, you know, killing each other all the time and pounding each other and you know, parents not really around and they're doing as best they can. And so, you know, when I first, you know, got married to Corley, I thought that my family would probably, it was like everybody else's family. So 
of course we're going to fight. You know, her family really handled things in a softer manner, but I was very aggressive. And so it was hard, it was hard to just like understand that no matter what I did, I was, I was hurting her. And even though I thought it was going to be fine, but you know, a couple, couple months into the marriage, right? Three, four months in the marriage, she looks at me and she says, I don't know if I can do this. And I, I was like, what? I mean, every family fights, right? Every family hurts each other, right? She's like, no, actually, no, that's not, that's not how it is. And that was hard for me. And so, I don't know, there's just more. That's kind of a big one. So how did you two work on that thing together? That not all families fight, and we can be a family that doesn't fight. I think that's... I, I don't know. I mean, it took how long? A long time. I, I'd say that first five years of our marriage was really rough on us. It was rough. And we had to, we had to determine, why am I doing this? You know, because it, it, it wasn't just about speaking Spanish and having the Peruvian culture all of a sudden anymore. It was more about, like, looking at that other person and, and trying to figure out what's their value, what's their worth, you know. And it took a long time, long time to do that. One of the, one of the most uh, difficult decisions that we made was to go to Arizona uh, for college. Because I didn't, I didn't necessarily mesh well with her family, and I felt like there was a lot of stuff that was going on that was really hard. And I felt like it was important for her and I to really determine who we are as a family. And so that was one of the major reasons we left. I told her, I was like, you and I have to dis- discover what it's like to be married like independently and without any other influences so that we can figure things out. But that was, that was a test for her in what way? Oh, it was just... I was alone, and I didn't have that support, and that was hard. I mean, we were already going through hard things, and at that point, we already had three little kids, and... One on the way? No, kids. not when we moved. Oh. We had just had Katie Bell at that time, oh, right. and so yeah. we had three, and they were, two, you know, three under three, like little babies, and so... We were already struggling, and so it was a lot. It was a lot to be alone and be in a new place. And and I had a lot of dark times, like really dark times in Arizona. But we worked through those together, and I think we did. We came out of there a lot stronger because we did work through those things together, and he became my counselor, and he became you know, that, that support and strength that I needed and and the only support and strength that I had, really, at, at, at that time. And so, I mean, it was hard, but it was good for us because I did finally be- realize that although he would say things that would hurt me because we were so different and he would say things in a mean way, in what I thought was a mean way, and and it would hurt. I knew that he cared so much about me. Like we'd had those conversations and he'd helped me so much and I knew that he cared and that he didn't mean to hurt me when he was talking to me, even though it felt hurtful. He didn't mean to hurt me. And so I was able to finally, um, I guess, understand him a little bit when we were trying to communicate, because we do, we communicate so differently. And and it's hard when we, we might even be saying the same things and it still seems like we're fighting about it. 
you know. And so um, just, I guess, just having that perspective that he's, he was my support. Yeah. Even, even in those, even in those fights. <laughs> and, and one thing that I, I, you know, I learned early was that we've got to forget about the past. Like that was really hard. That, that was really hard on us because we always said like, well, you always do that. And, and you always say this and you never do that. And we always have these like, you know, always never mm-hmm. comments. Right. And the more that we said those things, the more that we realized it's not helping. And so it took so long for, for us to say, but we've, we can't, we can't always bring up the past because we know the past is done. We have to focus on the now. Well, and we had and, changed. Like when we first got together, it was so volatile. Yeah. Because we were, you know, learning and getting to know each other and working through all those things. And so there were hurtful feelings from all of that. And if we, as long as we were holding on to those feelings and that's just how they are, um, we couldn't move on past that. And so it, it did. It took it took a long time for us to finally realize that that first, that those first versions of us were not those versions of us anymore. And we had to let that go and say, you know, yeah, we're allowed and, to change again, you know, like like the atonement. Like we were able to like be new people. Yeah. And move on. It was so strange, I gotta I gotta be honest here, that as on my end, I felt like there's nothing I could do. I was always gonna hurt her. And that that devastated me in a lot of ways because I was like, how can I how can I possibly communicate to somebody without hurting them, right? Every time I do something, I know I'm going to willfully inflict pain on that person. And so that that just changed the whole course of how I thought. I was like, everything I do, it seems like. It seems like. It wasn't true, right? I mean, I always had flowers and I always like, you know, offered to rub her feet and things like that. But, you know, but it seemed like everything I did hurt her. And she had to like have this change in perspective on me that he's going to hurt me right now. And I have to be okay with that. Because I know he means well, right? If he meant bad, I can't be okay with that. But he just simply doesn't have the skill to be nice. He doesn't have the skill to be kind. He doesn't know how to be kind for me, for what I need, for my personality. Well, and I wouldn't just say kind, but just... Or, 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 or whatever, yeah. Right. I mean, just that he doesn't know how to say it in a way that isn't going to hurt me. You know? Like, he's trying to he's trying to say things... But it's hurtful to me, yeah. and and he's doing the best he can, right? And so she had to be. She had to love that person, and I had to be okay with that. Right. And try to get past that, and really try to hear what it is he's trying to say, in the way that he's trying to say it. Okay, that was a long answer. To whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what you asked. There's there's the answer. Take it for what it is. We'll take it. Okay, so if you, if you were to have, so you have kids, obviously that are um, someday going to get married. Um, what would you say to them? What advice would you give to them looking at going into marriage and going into relationship? This is not our last question, by the way. But oh, okay. Um, I think first off, I would tell them that it's hard. Just so that they know, you know, that it's going to be work. But, and I've told this as advice to other, you know, young women that I've, that I've talked to when they're getting married, I tell them, you know, remember the reasons that you're getting married right now. 
because you're going to need them when it gets hard. Yeah. You know, for me, it was the answer to prayer. And it was, it was my covenants and it was those promises that I made. And, and it was all those reasons and things that I liked about him that I had to keep remembering when things got really hard. Like, why am I still in this? Well, because I feel like it was right. And I loved, I loved the qualities that he had. And does he still have those? Yeah. Yeah, he does. And, and so I, I would tell them that, you know, just remember the now, what these feelings are, what are your reasons, so that you can go over those again when things get really hard, because they will, because they're going to get hard. Yeah, and see, her answer is so different than mine, right? And it will be. And it's, <laughs> and it's always going to be different, but, but, her, but she's 100% correct. I mean, I can't, I can't say that there's anything in there that... It's not, it's not right. I mean, obviously, but on my end, my advice to him would be, cause I've, I approached marriage with this concept of like, we're at a beginning point now, now let's build eternity. And she, she approached marriage. Like I knew it because God told me and I, and I made the covenants and yes, he has potential. Like that's basically what I understood, right? He has potential, but me, I was different. I was like, well, now we're at ground zero. All we have is eternity upward. And, and whatever that looks like, beautiful, disgusting, amazing, terrible, heartbreaking, that's all part of the journey. And I'm ready to embrace that right now, 100%. And so my advice to, for me, what, what allowed me to have that vision was exactly what the temple represented in my mind, right? That it was the gateway for us to continue forever. And that, that building, that mindset to me has always been like at the very forefront, no matter how low we are, we have this eternal concept that we're working towards. And our, 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 our efforts here are really mediocre compared to when we, you know, enter into the presence of God and Jesus Christ and, and have the atonement and all that other stuff. That's when, that's when all these, these flaws and blemishes and these real deep issues will hopefully resolve, right? Because because of that grace and that mercy and that justice, right? Um, so, the, so, so, so to me, the temple is the ideal. I would say, uh, on a, on a tip, on a, on a point of uh, advice, I would say, be ready to be be flexible, right? That's what I would tell him. And of course, I would throw like books and scriptures, and I'd have sessions where like, here's how to be a good husband and a good, you know, she just gives him one point. I want to give him a course, and you know. And, yeah. And I'll always follow through, and this is how I am. But be flexible. I think flexibility and patience has got to be like supreme, supreme. Obviously, love too. But you know, I love that. How many years do you think it took you guys? I know it's uh, marriage is a growing, moving thing always. But how many years would you say it took you to get to that point where you were on the way to thinking the way you're thinking now? Five years. It was those first five years that were really, really hard. But about that year five, it's like we made those breakthroughs and where we could really finally communicate with each other and we kind of understood each other and we could let things start to go from those first couple of years that were really, really hard. And and we were able to finally move, move forward. Now, I wouldn't say we were perfect at year five, right? I mean, we still continue to change and we're still learning how to communicate. But those first five years... And for me, like, I, I think the, that five-year mark is like, okay, 
not, we got to do something different, right? We've got to stop thinking about ourselves. But I, I feel like I started being a husband in the fa- in the sense of understanding her needs around year seven to ten. In those years is when I finally started to go, oh, I, I've been a jerk for the last seven years, <laughs> you know, like. I haven't I haven't understood her very well and so but that being said like that question I could say today to the answer to your question like I feel like even right now it's like well I still don't know her yet but we're definitely in it together at this point but I I, I think around year seven is when we started like looking at each other like okay I think that's how I feel like okay I'm, I'm at your side now right but year five I felt like we're done being enemies you know, <laughs> right. but year seven is like, okay, I think I, I think I want to be next to you. Well, and I think year seven is probably about the time he would start to say, you know, is there something that you'd like me to be doing that I'm not doing? And it was like, will you open the car door for me? That would be nice. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, little things like that, like year seven was finally when, when those kinds of things started to like, yeah. those conversations, like what do you need and want from me started to really happen. You guys are, you guys often refer to your, your um, relationship as a Pepe Le Pew. Just on any note, can you describe that and why you talk about it that way? You actually called me Pepe Le Pew, wasn't it? Wasn't it you that said that? You're like this skunk. You won't leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, I liked her from the get-go. I mean, from... If you, if you know anything about Pepe Le Pew, he's this Looney Tunes cartoon where you have this skunk with two white stripes down his back and there's this cat that had the misfortune of walking under a paint bucket and and having a white stripe painted down her back. And so, but Pepe, Pepe sees this cat and goes, oh, you know, I want that, you know, and so... Uh, but doesn't think that that's doesn't think anything other than that it's the same person across from him, you know. But as a cat, you know, and the cat wants absolutely nothing to do with skunk, right? And the first episode they meet, right, like the, the skunk, you know, tries to hug her and tries to kiss her and do all that kind of stuff, and cat straight kicks him in the face and runs off, and that only makes Pepe excited. He's like. We cannot be happy when you are so far away, <laughs> you know. And he chases. He chases his cat, and the cat wants absolutely nothing to do with this skunk. But does that deter the skunk? No. Nope. He's happy. He's happy. He's <laughs> but I would say that that's well. You you heard how we met. I mean, that's kind of what he got. He was like, "Yay!" And I was like, "No." <laughs> and and it's kind of been a lot of that since. <laughs> Every now and then, I'll joke around and be like, "Do you feel like Disneyland?" And she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> Just because I think she's so entertaining and so fun, right? I mean, I'm all about, like, I'm a I'm a people watcher anyways, and I like to just study people and how they are. And so to a certain extent, you know, she's been like, you know, the amoeba under the microscope. And I'm just like, I wonder what happens if I go like this. And I'll just, and I'm purposely touching the table, right? <laughs> you know, so that so that they can pick that recording up. But, and then she's like, stop, stop touching me. Just, I don't want to be poked right now. Leave me alone. You know, and I'm just like, but you're so pretty. You're so beautiful. And I like you. Why, why is this a problem? And she's like, because I'm not like you. Just and I'm leave like, me alone. <laughs> you know, so. Anyways, that's that's the whole paper lip you thing, right? And, and honestly, to all you guys out there who are like me, it's okay. <laughs> but to all you ladies who are like my wife, come on. 
<laughs> we, we okay, right? We, we just like you. We genuinely like you, right? And, and so forth, right? Coralie and Casey, we love having you tonight. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you in the future someday. Talk about what's like 50 years down the road. Working it all out. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to One Heart, One Mind, Nampa. Credit is given to Kim Keller, who oversees the podcast, both Lindy Bauer and Kim Keller, who are our hosts, Casey Maddox, the project director and announcer, and Rachel Bauer, who is our site director. Likewise, thanks also to Michelle Lundgren, our product manager, John Freeman, our communications coordinator, Jesus Gomez, the key grip and podcast editor, as well as Don Ricker, our digital platform manager. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you, and may the Lord bless you.